the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And we are back. It's uh, Andy Froyland in along with Matt Nicosia and Pastor Phil Howard, a couple of pastors in the house, answering questions tonight about discipleship. Uh, both sides of the coin, actually, those who are discipling and those the discipler and the disciple e. Uh, if you happen to be a disciple e being discipled by a discipler and you've got questions as to the validity of the discipler and whether or not that discipler is actually disciple eing you in a disciple e fashion rightly, um, give us a call. <laughs> If you're confused, audience, there's a reason. <laughs> it's our announcer. You know, it's our it announcer. Is, it really is. I, you know, I, I, I make no, no excuses for the, 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 the silliness that is me once in a while, and I do apologize for that. I, I, mm-hmm. I love humor and levity. Matt brought up an interesting thing about discipleship that uh, I think is dynamic, and I think then we start looking at the one another's and where they're applied. And Matt, bring out what you were sharing with me. Yeah, you know, when you think about this discipling task, it, it can be overwhelming, especially as a as a pastor and uh, in, in, on a staff at a church, and you think, how do I tackle this monster of discipleship? And when you think about a church of any size, it's impossible for any one person to show somebody how to be a follower of Jesus when you think of hundreds of people. Certainly you can do that from the pulpit, but I, I'm encouraged when I, I read the New Testament and I see, well, that's not the model at all. It's not one man or even a small group of men doing it uh, for everyone, but in fact, it's a whole community's responsibility to be helping each other imitate the lifestyle of Jesus. And and I see in Ephesians chapter uh, in Ephesians chapter four and in, in verse fifteen, it says, "Speaking truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ." And so that's the task of of the entire church, of all the members of the body together, speaking truth to each other, instilling truth so that I can see more about Jesus. And of course, you have levels of maturity and, and the mature help the, the immature along, but it's it's an entire church together uh, following Jesus and speaking truth to each other. And that gives me a lot of encouragement because I realize, hey, it's not all on me or the other pastors that I work and serve with. It's not on any one person, but it's an entire church together encouraging each other and, and discipling each other. Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Amen. You know, Amen. Right? And 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 again, that, that word us, uh, I think in the Greek that means us, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I love him saying when he said this to Timothy, and the things you have heard me say one-on-one at Starbucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, because I heard so many views on uh, discipleship. I thought, I'm going to go broke having to feed all these people. Every, But you know what he said? You learned it in the presence of yeah. many witnesses. And uh, you know what? The, the greatest discipleship platform that I had was a Tuesday night study when we first started 
with a bunch of, uh, you think of as hippie kids, uh, young people, they first had all kinds of questions. Have the Bible study, give solid information, teaching. But then the rest of the week, you were living it out with them. You were praying with them. You were meeting with them. But so is a cub, but you learned it among many witnesses. Catechism and catechizing is a real good tool in all of this as a discipler and a disciplee. It is a part of the process. Like you said, there's also living it out. But along those lines, tonight we have that opportunity to be catechizing just a bit. And uh, in fact, we've got somebody on the line. Uh, Daryl is calling in, I believe, from Hercules. And we wanted to get to your question. Uh, Daryl, thanks for uh, being patient and waiting. Welcome to uh, Lifeline with Pastor Phil and Pastor Matt. Thank you. Thank you. Two of my elders and pastors that I've known for years. Hi, hi, hello to both of you. Hello. How are you doing, Daryl? Okay. Pretty good, brothers. Pretty good. Yeah, I was uh, drawn to your, your talk tonight. Uh, I was uh, informed you guys would be on talking discipleship. And um, I was just reflecting as I was listening to you. And uh, the Deuteronomy sets of scriptures, uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, and then Deuteronomy 11, 16 through 21 came to mind, where it speaks of uh, teaching the next generation as you walk down the road, as you sit at the dinner table, put reminders up at home around the walls, and just instill in them the values that, as Moses said to them, that you learn from me, you guys now instill it in the next generation, the same Timothy uh, concepts that Pastor Phil was just speaking of. So my question is, how do we, do, you have, do either of you have thoughts on integrating that whole premise? And I know there's a Jewish name for it. I know one of you two know it, having been theologian, you know, uh, that Jewish word that means that passing on of uh, the principles and the values and teaching them to that next generation. I just don't remember the name of it. But Shema, Shema, Deuteronomy 6. Yes, yes. Shema. How do we how do we incorporate this not only within the church setting, but as Matt was just saying, within the community setting? Because it's it's not as simple when it comes to many of the community settings because there may not be always that person in the home necessarily that that has that same set of values that those kids so desperately need. And so it is a community process. Do you guys have any thoughts or any reflections on these verses as it relates to discipleship, particularly with the next generation? Well, sure. You know, before I I was an associate pastor here at Valley Bible Church, I I was the director of our kids' ministries. And and in some of my my work there on staff, uh, working with kids, I I was doing some research and just some reading just to get my my mind wrapped around what what is a philosophy of ministry uh, for kids. And so I, I know we're not talking necessarily yet about in the community, but certainly the community, the first community is within the four walls of our homes. Uh, so we believe beyond, uh, we, we believe uh, according to Deuteronomy 6, as you, as you shared, Daryl, is that the, the best way to pass on uh, the good news about Jesus Christ and what God has done for us, and certainly in Deuteronomy 6, the the great redemptive work to God for God to rescue His people out of Exodus, uh, out of exile uh, in Egypt, is to teach that and pass that on to another generation. And how do we do that? Well, I, I love what uh, Dr. Brian Haynes, he's a pastor that I, I follow uh, quite a bit. He's written on this quite a bit. He talks about being able to pass this kind of, of good news on to the next generation through uh, time, through moments, and through milestones. 
having times that are designed where you're teaching and passing on the good news of the faith, like that catechism we were just talking about, just passing on those truths that we hold so dearly that point us to Jesus, then also seizing the moments that we have throughout our days. I mean, just driving in the car, you know, seeing a billboard or when you're watching a movie, listening to a song or, or watching a sporting event, just in the everyday stuff of life, see, life, seizing those moments throughout the day, and then also celebrating milestones and and, and finding those moments, uh, you know, that first day of school or, or maybe a child has put faith in Jesus Christ, celebrating those milestones. And then obviously when they're getting ready and getting launched to go out of the home, celebrating those milestones in their life, that those markers that say they're taking the next step in following Jesus. And I, and I found in my own family, passing that on to my own family, and we don't do it perfectly, but, but we want to do it better. But finding time, designing time, intentional time, finding and seizing those moments, and then also celebrating milestones as we, uh, as we, as we raise the next generation to be followers of Jesus Christ. You know, you, you, Matt, you bring up a great point. Uh, Daryl, thank you, by the way. That was a great question. Um, can you be an effective discipler if you're ineffective as a discipler in your own family? In other words, this all has to start at home, doesn't it? If our kids aren't being discipled and ministered to and brought up in the admonition of the Lord, how effective are we going to be with other men and women in the congregation? Well, he said if you want an elder and you want a pastor, look in his home. Look at his If he can't for, yeah. manage a home, he surely could manage a church. I think what youth groups and children's ministries uh, have been born in the church maybe originally with Christian families. But today, uh, we hit so many young people with a, a family that's either broken, uh, gone through divorce, or un, non-Christian parents. And so we reach out. We're trying to, as it were, substitute for the home, but you can't. The, the world's greatest youth ministry is a mom and dad that make God a priority at home. But I remember what William Bennett said years ago. He said, uh, most parents today only clothe and feed children while the culture kidnaps their soul. Mm. And uh, technology has moved into our homes and it's kidnapped the time. You take what stuff is in your home, TV, cell phones, and um computers say, uh, hey, I've actually been in a room where four different people were on four different phone conversations. And you call that together? No, no, no. And I tell my grandchildren, when you come see me, that phone turn off because that phone won't give you the money you want for a new pair of shoes, (laughs) you know. so I kind of use every leverage I got. But really, you think of who runs the home in America. What is the agenda? And so this if we had this kind of help, if we knew parents were doing this kind of Deuteronomy 6, right. uh, as Hendricks used to say, as the heart goes, so goes the home. Right. And that would be the greatest uh, teaching. Well, when you think about the numbers, too, I mean, any any good children's ministry is going to be open every Sunday, you know, pending a pandemic, obviously. But we get about 50 hours with these kids 
if they come every Sunday, every a, a Sunday. year, if we get about 50 hours a year, and you think about the thousands upon thousands of hours right. that families spend with their children, my goodness, if we could help mm. train moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles and uh, to, to invest in their kids, my goodness. And, and I saw it. The ones, the kids that were growing in Jesus had a family that was investing in their lives to help mm. point them to Jesus. As a, as a youth pastor at Calvary Visalia years ago, it was our commitment. There were three of us for junior high and high, and our commitment was to put ourselves out of a job. We wanted to minister to the parents more than the kids. Sure. And we, we made some headway along along those That's lines. That's a great philosophy. We have to take another time out with Daryl off the line. That leaves a line open at 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. And I tell you what, I promise, if you call without a mask, we won't condemn you. In fact, we'll take the call on the air even. You can join us on the air mask-free. If you're tired of that thing being worn all day long, take it off and give us a call. And we'll take the call. And warmly so, I might add. All right. It's a quick timeout. We're going to pay some bills, check some traffic, and come back and join the conversation as we continue with Pastor Matt and Pastor Phil. Meantime, Mr. Michael Bennett patiently standing by to give you another look at your commute. Michael? We are back. It has been such a delight. And, man, time flies when you're having fun, or as the frog said, time's fun when you're having flies. This thing is almost over. We're just a half hour away from another another one under the hat, as they say. Uh, Pastor Phil Howard and Pastor Matt Nicosi. I, I, I just messed it up, didn't I? <laughs> oh, you were doing so well. But, you know, nobody can bat a thousand, but uh, I'll, I'll give you, know, you grace for that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought he's professional. Hey, it's Matt Nyakosia. <laughs> he joins us here. Um, we, uh, we've been talking about discipleship here tonight. And, you know, uh, as, as we left the break, Phil, we were talking about the importance of, of leading and training and discipling our children. I mean, if we're going to disciple anybody, it's got to start at home. And so some of the practical uh, aspects of that, uh, during the break we were talking about this, and we were talking about the importance of prayer. You, know, you talked about that earlier with uh, um, uh, Peterson. Um, Eugene. Eugene yeah. Peterson and what he said. And I, it brought up this one thought of uh, a dear friend of mine who uh, early on in my walk with Christ, he shared with me the importance of keeping my kids with me in the sanctuary during the worship service. Unlike most churches where they, you know, some churches will force you to take your kids outside of the sanctuary. And he said, you know, I can't remember the color of the the carpet. I can't remember what the pews looked like, whether or not we had uh, padding on the pews. I couldn't tell you the name of the pastor, what he looked like, or anything else. But the one thing that stuck in my mind to this day, and he's speaking as an older man, he said, what really impressed me was watching my dad worship his God. Mm. That mm. spurred this man on to, uh, to ministry and a future international ministry and a passion for the love of Christ that has lasted well into 40-plus years of this man's mm. life. And he will be one of those who will finish well. I know this man. But that just speaks volumes to the importance of just what our role as parents are when it comes to our kids. And then take this back, and this is where you can take off on this, Pastor Phil and Matt. The value of teaching our children to pray, if we do anything in discipleship, 
and leave off that one element? Is it even discipleship? I think that's a great question. I think that if you start off by modeling it, uh, when they're little, coming up, you know, they're going to observe it. I know my oldest girl, she, she always wanted to pray with me and the men at the church because we were much more emotional in praying than the women. <laughs> and she wanted to be there, she said. But And I think of growing up, do they ever catch you as mom and dad praying? Not arguing, but praying. I, something very humbling in our family's history. My oldest girl got in trouble and was in some desperate times. And later she tells me and just told me recently again, she said, one of the most haunting things was to have a bedroom vent over the basement where you pray. Mm. And she said, when you hear your dad wailing and praying and weeping over you and your waywardness, uh, said, it is hard to stay there long. And uh, I had a sister that did the same thing for me. So, you know, my wife grew up with grandparents. They knelt by at the table every morning before they prayed over the food. They knelt, you know, they prayed. Okay. It's amazing how much body life, physical body language is involved in the Psalms, the worship book. Raise your hands, raise your voice, hit the cymbals. I know half our hearing aid crowd, they, they <laughs> run to the lobby. But you know what? They got a little bit noisy. It was an all just reflection. And I think even for me, co corporately, I learned to pray with a congregation that was everybody prayed at once. Uh, you didn't just wait your turn, which is very intimidating to a young believer. You mean, I've got to pray out loud where I'm heard? No, join us. But then when you bring it to the home, hey, uh, we pray for a new jacket for a girl to go to school. We're going to pray in the tuition. We're going to thank God for the... It, you know what? I never remember growing up having family devotions in the family I was raised in. It seemed like we were in it all the time. Hmm. Every time we got in the car, every time there was a need, just you prayed now. Yeah. You can pray later. You pray. And it may not be a long prayer meeting, but it's one of the most important things. I often ask young preachers, what's your prayer life like? Right. And they want to talk about everything but that. Mm. And because I, I think it's where the power and the purifying work of the Spirit works. You know, Matt, I, he talks about this. And I, 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 as a young man... At, at one point in time in years past, <laughs> I, I, I can remember this. It is hard for someone who is young with a young family to, to carve out that necessary time for prayer and to be a leader in the home with prayer. We just seem so busy, don't we? How do you, yeah, we how, sure do. how have you done that? Or have well, you? well, first of Maybe all, you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've tried. I'll tell you that. Uh, I, that's the best case I can make is that I've tried. And yeah. I know for my wife and me, uh, one of the things that we've tried to do is to, from the earliest age that was reasonable, is to not hide from our kids some of the struggles that we were going through. Yeah. They needed to see that mom and dad's lives are not all rainbows and unicorns. I mean, there's there's stuff that we go through, and and there's confession that we need to go through as well. Right. 
And so it's it's interesting, our, our kids to this day, and so now it's been, oh gosh, four or five years. Over the last six or seven years, we've had to move twice. And, and the reason being is that we, we're renters and each of those times our landlord has kind of told us, you know, hey, I'm going to get, I'm going to sell the house. And so you need to move on. And so both of those times, that was about two or three years apart from each other. We came to a, a point where we didn't know where we were going to go. And we had, uh, you know, the, the, the time was t- ticking. It was running out. We needed to find a place. And instead of just keeping that away from the kids thinking, well, we're going to scare them because of that, we actually brought it to them and we said, guys, this is scary for mom and dad. We don't know what we're going to do, but we do know somebody that has the answer. And so as a family, getting on our knees together, and this is where I was going uh, back in the last segment talking about those moments, seizing those moments as they come across to say, you know what, we're going to get on our knees together as a family. And all of us, I think at some point in those prayers, those those evenings that I can remember, I think all of us at a time, you know, shed some tears saying, Lord, we don't know what to do. And we're confessing our fear to you. And the Lord answered those prayers in each of those situations. And now as, as my kids are getting on to their teen years, our old oldest is a senior uh, getting ready to graduate. Our, our middle is a freshman in high school. And then our, our girl, our daughter, she's about 10 years old. They look back at that and they say, mom and dad, I remember those moments when you guys did not have the answers. And I'm so glad that you brought us into that conversation because now we can look back and we can say, we've seen what God has done, not just for somebody else, not just for the heroes of the scriptures, but for me. God has been involved in my life. And so to to bring your kids into that is, is so huge. And and I wish that we had more intentional times, but but those moments, those moments are real for them as as markers and memorials for their faith. You know, you, and you, you mentioned you wish you had more times like this. And the thing is, most of us pray against those times because it is those times of trial that, that bring about those moments where it has such an impact on our kids. I mean, silver linings that we fail to miss all the time. We, you know, oh, look, I'm in this trial. God, what are we going to, you know, instead of going, wait a minute, this is a teaching moment for my kids. This pandemic, you've been stuck at home with your kids with time that you've never had un- up until this point. What have you done with that time? Ah. Have you taught your kids to pray? Have you taught your kids to read God's word? Have you taught your kids the love that you have for Christ? Do they know their parent? That's a man. We take the trials and we, God, get me out of this. And you, but if you're a parent, man, what a moment to teach our kids, right? What a moment. And it's interesting to see how siblings, my brother David says he's seven years old, I think. And my father, the West Coast had been shut down in strikes. He had gone out of state looking for work. Well, there was uh, five of us kids uh, we're in government housing. Mom had no money. And so she told my brother, David, said, you're going to get down with mom age six. Mm. You're going to get down. We're going to pray. God, give us food. Well, boy, you ought to have him tell it. It'd be tears. <laughs> he said, while they're praying, the knock came at the door. The food was on the, you know, on the table and all like that. Hey, uh, they mark our families. Our girls could say we prayed about that. They could tell you when we got oh. the answer. I, I think sometimes we don't include our kids in our faith. Let them be a part of the struggle and of the need so they could be shout when the answer comes. And they it's know wonderful. those stones of remembrance then. That right. They're a part of their lives when that happens. Absolutely. We Hold that thought. 
We got to take another time. I know Matt's ready to go into it again. It's like, it's like no, it's it's <laughs> half past. We got to take a commercial break. So we're going to do that real quick and come back real quick and continue the conversation. We trust you're being encouraged as we discuss things uh, pertaining to discipleship and prayer here tonight on Lifeline. The Truth For Today edition with Pastor Phil Howard and Pastor Matt Nicosia. Got it, didn't I? You got See it. See you there? You got it. Off to the KMAX Traffic Center, we head once again for a look at that commute of yours. See how things are shaping up. It's Mr. Michael Bennett. It is Lifeline, the Truth For Today edition of Lifeline. Uh, Mr. Craig Roberts is kind enough to give us that fourth Friday of the month to spend some time with you talking about all things Christ, and tonight we're looking at discipleship uniquely and specifically. Pastor Phil Howard, Pastor Matt Nicosia, Nicosia, Nick the Sea, kind of like tuna of the sea, chicken of the sea. I hope I don't smell like fish. Nicosia. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if I don't think about it, it's fine. If I think about it, it's like, oh no, I'm going to mess this up royal. And sure enough, I do, but that's. I, I can do that. I've got the insurance, and so go ahead, sue me. <laughs> insurance will cover it. We're, uh, we're talking about discipleship tonight, and it's kind of gone down the direction of, first and foremost, this has to show up in your family, and especially your kids. And do we, do we teach our kids those things that are precious to us? And really, Phil, if you think about it, if you don't, is it really that precious to you to begin with? It's hard to cover up good news. I can't believe it. I mean, if you love something, uh, if you love music, uh, I'm known uh, by all my friends from years. If they're with me uh, 20 minutes, I'm going to play them a song. I want to play them part of an album. Why I play guitar, I love music. I love all kinds. And if you don't like music, you're a dull person. You know, because I love it. You can't, Jesus is what fills the heart, will fill the mouth. Right. Yeah. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so it said, oh, no, no, no. You talk about what you love. And you'll talk about, if you ask my children, my lands, you would hear all these stories of uh, my oldest girl, I, I think of her, took her to music lessons. She got a, a sermon every time. I mean, I prayed over her fingers. I said, see that finger? It could be broken if you ever play for anybody but God. You know, poor little girl, six years old, trembling for lessons. <laughs> but they remember you will talk about what you love. Mm-hmm. And, and so let's go back to dad and mom. You will talk about what you love. And so that you can't hide it. I, I was thinking of a verse I just saw here in Ephesians. It said, uh, however, talk about the Gentiles that have been saved, says, uh, that, however, the sensuality and purity, says, this is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him. See, learned, taught with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, we would say, disciple with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, 
which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. We're going to change the way you think, and we do it by teaching, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness. Hey, you Ephesians came to Christ. He starts a church here. But you've been taught how to put off the Gentile way of living, put off the sensuality, the impurity, the whole debauchery of the pagan world. He said, but you were taught. You came to Christ, and now we've taught you what to put off, what to put on. And you go through the chapter. It's, I told you to quit being angry, quit being mad, quit using bad speech, on and on. And so this discipleship thing, whether it's in the home, whether it's in the church, whether it's with any young believer, we're obligated to teach them how to put on a new way of life. Amen. Yeah, I, it reminds me of Colossians three twelve, which is a you know kind of a parallel passage. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Mm. I'll tell you one of the most powerful lessons of forgiveness in the home, I believe, is when a child sees a mom or a dad or both or whoever's in the home actually confessing sin to one another mm. and experiencing that forgiveness. You know, recently we had a we had an online uh, Bible teaching time with Pastor Paul Crandall and his wife, Lindsay, and we talked about this this power of forgiveness, and he describes it as extending that hand so that it can be received by another. And so that, you know, the kids seeing in the home that when dad does something wrong, you know, it's been humiliating at times, or humbling, I should say, to go before my wife and kids and say, dad was wrong. I was really, really wrong. But it's that, that everyday stuff of life when the kids see that in the home that you're putting on a new creation. You know, we used to live this way, but Jesus is teaching us how to live in a new way, a new restorative way, a healthy way, a way that brings life and peace to the home. And that, that's a powerful lesson. That's integrity. They're seeing sure, integrity. Yeah, you yeah. don't have to be perfect to be a Christian. No. It's it's alien to most. I, I was just going to say, I, I can remember the first time I came to my daughter and said, can you forgive me? Wow. I was wrong. Wow. The look on her face was priceless. I, I, I would imagine both of you have experienced the same sure, thing as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it does. It takes a child back. It, it's like, what? Really? Yeah. Really? It is profound, the effect that that has on a child. Profound. I mean, it's not something I want to do every day. It's <laughs> something I probably should do every day. But <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, living it's modeling authentic Christianity. Yes, it is. It and is. I think, you know, as uh, Matt reads the Colossians 3, boy, when you think if a child or people you work with, they actually see when you come in the office, uh-oh, uh, he's wearing, I see his clothing, first of all. Here comes Mr. Compassion. Here comes kindness. Here comes humility. Here comes gentle. Oh, man, I don't want what he's got. Are you kidding? <laughs> Compassion came through the door. Wow. Patience came through the door. And, uh, you know, we look for it in the pulpit. Uh, I think hearing different preachers 
Uh, I, I'm not an easy customer to be satisfied. Because you know what I look, first of all, I think of all, does this man love me? Does he love this church? I I don't want to know if he went to Dallas or he went to MacArthur's. I don't care where he went to school. Wait, will I ever find out in his spirit that he gives a hoot about the hearer? Hmm. And there's a way you show that, just like you put on compassion. Yes. You put on tenderness, that they're not there to be bossed. They're there to be loved and hmm. shepherded. And it's a part of the discipleship. We're modeling how we behave before people. We're going to stop early. Uh, we've got one segment left, and I want to save it for this final thought. Uh, we've been talking about this this last segment um, the fact that if uh, if you really love something, you're going to pass it on. If you're passionate about something, you want to pass it on. And if you yourself tonight, listening to us, are finding the fact that maybe you're not as passionate about Christ as you thought you were, mm-hmm. maybe what we're talking about seems somewhat alien to you. You've never heard this before. You've gone to a church, but you've never really heard this before. And you want to know what it is. Why are these men on this radio passionate about this guy named Jesus? What is it? What happened? Well, we're going to talk about that on the other side of this break. So if you'll stay with us for a few more minutes, we'll close out our time together today. And we'd like to introduce you to the one that we are passionate about, the one that fuels our fire for two hours at a stretch to talk about him. All right? So you hang tight. We're going to take another quick time out, and we'll come back as Lifeline continues. Right now, off to the KFAX Traffic Center with a final look at your commute. Good, Andy. It's been a marvelous night tonight with uh, Matt Nicosia and uh, Pastor Phil Howard. We have been doing our Truth For Today broadcast here on Lifeline tonight. I thank you for spending time with us. I, you know... You've got all kinds of things and all kinds of opportunities on that radio dial of yours. So to be able to spend it with us means the world to us. I hope it means the world to you as well. We were talking, we have been talking and discussing the uh, the notion of discipleship. And really, at the end of the day, it's passing on your passion. If you're to disciple somebody, it's because you are passionate about what you're discipling them to be. It, it's not so much as a disciplee, it's, it's an apprentice. And you're passing on that which you love and if you find yourself wondering what we've been talking about tonight or maybe you know what we're talking about but you're not really sure it's your passion and you wonder what's made it our passion you know we can spend two hours a stretch and talk about them and then you know when we're done we'll probably spend another two more hours continuing the conversation without you so with that, we want to close out our time together, Pastor Phil, Pastor Matt. Why why the passion? What is it about Christ? It's because we found somebody that loved us at our worst, someone that uh, uh, can never give up on us, said he'd be with us to the end. I heard Piper recently say that the true mark of a believer he felt was they've come to treasure Christ. And I think of Second Corinthians. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And so I, I see a lost world without direction, living in the poverty of hopelessness, living in the poverty 
of not knowing the true God, seeing all the confusion that's abounding around us. What's the future? What's the future? And to know a Christ that gives you hope, that says, I will resurrect your body. I will give you a home in heaven. Why don't you sign up with me? The gift is free. Uh, I don't want your money. I'm not asking you to sign up for 18 good good rules to do. I want you to know me because I love you. I, I really want to come into your heart. I want to forgive you of your sins. I want to forgive you of what you've not been able to forgive yourself. I'm wanting to give you eternal life. And it's all in the asking Christ. I believe I receive you. And uh, we, us men in this room, I was a 14-year-old boy on the south side of Richmond when it happened. Never been the same. Never been the same. You know, that's been, oh, about 60-some-odd years ago. And it's as real, as fresh as though it happened yesterday. I've buried many a loved one with this truth. I am the resurrection and the life. He that cometh to me, though he were dead, yet shall he live again. And we we just want the audience to say, there's a treasure God's offered for you. You just unwrap the gift by faith. Say, I receive you, Christ. I know I'm a sinner. Uh, Everybody knows I'm a sinner. And so does God. But God says, I didn't come to condemn you. I came to pay for your sins. Put your trust in me. What a what a simple message that sets men free. Millions upon millions have been set free by this great Jesus. And you know, I, I can remember telling my dad this at one point, Phil, um, when he asked me, why, why this Christianity? How does that, that make it different for you mm-hmm. as opposed to me? I said, you know, I know what you're thinking, Dad. And, and yeah, Christianity... Christ as my Savior, as my Lord, it's not really going to change much in me. I'm still I'm still a sinner, redeemed and saved from that sin. Yeah. But I'm still a sinner. I'm still going to make those mistakes. I'm still going to make those blunders. What separates you from me, though, is I've got a hope. Mm-hmm. Because 10 out of 10 of us are going to die. <laughs> it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, once the judgment. But what's going to happen to you and what's going to happen to me is vastly different. See, I've got a, I've got a hope that springs eternal. Yeah. I've got a hope that is on the firm foundation of Christ. It cannot be moved. This hope does not depend upon me believing it as much or as little day by day as it does about the one who's enthroned in heaven. Yes. And I'll spend yes. eternity with him. Yes. And eternity. that's the difference. We've got a hope, don't we? We've got a hope. You know, I, I've grown up in the church my whole life. And, you know, we've seen many people come and go, you know, they come and, and they'll, they'll get a taste of Jesus. And, and after a while they find that the things of this world just in their mind taste better. But, you know, I, I, I love what Peter says and I, it resonates with my heart so much because I've been tempted to walk away. I mean, I've got temptations in my own heart, but in John chapter six, Verse 66, many disciples that were following Jesus turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Yes. You have the words of eternal life. And we've believed 
and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I mean, when it comes down to it, why, why would we invest so much energy is because we've seen that there, Jesus is like nobody else that we've ever experienced. In the midst of all the brokenness, all the guilt, the shame, the fear that come into our hearts and in the darkness of this world, you can try many different things. Go ahead and try it all. Solomon said, I've, I've exhausted all of my wealth and, and all of my energy on all the pleasures of this world, but I've found that none of them satisfy. But Jesus gives us eternal life. And, and if you're listening here tonight, I, I hope and pray that you would see that, that Jesus wants to give you what can satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. He is the only one that can give you eternal life. And that's what we do in this disciple-making process. We want people to see Jesus so that they would get a taste of him and realize that he is unlike anybody else that we've ever experienced. Wouldn't you want to know more about the person that paid all your debts, forgave you of every wrong, and said, I promise you heaven, I'll be there with you forever. That's why it's a lifelong pursuit. It's like one taste of honey. What's the appetite to want to pursue it the rest of your life? You can't get enough of it. No, you can't. If you would like to know more, maybe you have any, a question that no, you, we didn't address this evening. Maybe it's a question you'd like to ask, but not on the radio. Visit our website, valleybible.org. Great place to go. Click on the tab, leave us an email, and we will respond post-haste. That I can promise you. Again, valleybible.org, truthfortodayradio.org, another great place to go. And then join us Monday through Friday, Truth For Today, 5.30 in the morning, great way to start your day. Sunday mornings at 8.30 as well. And that is going to wrap it up, I think, for us around here. Uh, it is our earnest prayer. Uh, man, we do. We earnestly pray that God would make himself known in your life, that he would make his face to shine upon you and give you his peace. Because you see, no matter what kind of peace this world has to offer, it is only that peace that will take you into eternity. And believe me, you're going to need eternity to get to understand and know this elder brother we've been talking about tonight. Amen, amen. It has been a precious time tonight, guys. Matt Nicosia... Pastor Phil Howard, Thanks you guys, so man, what a treat. We'll do it again next month. Until then, I think we'll let, uh, yeah, we'll let Craig go. He'll <laughs> join you again next week. In the meantime, thank you, Nate, for taking care of the board. Wanda, for producing this thing. And then, of course, your ears round out the trifecta. May Christ be your passion. Until next time, God bless.